The Sportzilla Show starts now. They do set the three to be able to pass on third and long steps up. Now heaves deep ball on the right side. Underneath it is Christian. under center, takes it, turns, Gore, driving forward into the end zone, touchdown, 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 Buffalo, Frank Gore drove his way into the end zone for the touchdown, and the Bills get the lead back again with a minute 50 to play. Jones takes the snap, back to throw, steps up, he's going to run, Jones to the five, touchdown Giants! Daniel Jones on a seven-yard run, on a fourth and five from the seven, and the Giants have tied it up with 1.16 to go. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. There's a lot to choose from, Scoop. A lot in the world of sports that we could have talked about. We were going to join everybody yesterday, but it was Major League Baseball playoffs. All four series could have ended, and and we're going to get into that in just a second. But I'm leading today with Simone Biles. Okay, with everything else happening in the world of sports, that is the best thing that I saw while surfing on the internet and sitting on my phone with some insomnia last night. I didn't see it. Simone Biles. I'm sure you've seen it. Next time you jump on Twitter or you're looking on Facebook, you'll see it. It's everywhere. What did I miss? Okay, here's why I'm going to lead with gymnastics, because Simone Biles is the Michael Jordan of Wayne Gretzky's, of Tiger Woods, of, yes, in deference to our producer, Matt, of Tom Brady's, and pick the greatest, the GOAT in any sport, or LeBron James, argue whoever you want it to be, but there is no doubt she's the greatest gymnast. So she's the Ric Flair of gymnastics. Yes, she's the GOAT. She's the greatest of all time. So Simone Biles, if you're flipping through and you see this, on, I think it's the, the balance beam and the floor exercise, in each of those two disciplines of gymnastics, she now has a move that is named after her because she is the first to ever attempt it and yet achieve it in competition. The things that the girl, I mean, she's about four foot 11. Well, they call it a Simone or what do they, what are, they call them the Biles. The, Biles. the move is called the Biles. Okay. I, I couldn't possibly describe it to you. I don't sit around generally watching gymnastics. I wasn't watching it on television. I didn't see it happen live, but I sat there and I'm like, everybody is tweeting about this. Everybody is commenting on this. Everybody is just stating how absolutely remarkable Simone Biles is. Do yourself a favor because there is not another human being on planet Earth that can do the things this girl does with her body flipping and spinning at full speed launching herself 10, 12, 15 feet in the air. And it, I love how outspoken she is, too. Yeah, and she's got something to say, too. And I think she was even on Dancing with the Stars. Not that that matters to anybody, but there's a weird pop culture I reference. I seem to remember that. Outside of... I try to block out those memories of that television show. Yeah, so do I, but it's on in the house every Monday. That one guy, Bruno Tonioli or whatever, he's like a, a sex crime waiting to happen. I called him to Mrs. Rain, the living quagmire, the other day, because yeah. he seems like that but type of guy. But he gets away with it because of that accent. Yes, he does. Somehow, people then think he's like cultured or something, but he's just a cultured pervert. I did have to pay attention on my phone, Think, thankfully, with technology and tablets and laptops and phones and things like that, I was able to watch the Yankees game. And, of course, they broke out the brooms, swept the Twins. I think it's about 15. It's win- 13 straight postseason victories by the Yankees over the Twins. I've got two close friends that are Twins fans, and they're just like... In shock. I mean, they accept it because they're so used to it. But it's a hump that team cannot get over with. 
They won 100 games for crying out loud. They're good. Uh, there's there's some good teams. There are four 100-win teams yeah. this season, Scoop. So, all right, we're, we're talking about the Yankees. I was going to go through the other four matchups first because I'm like, oh, everybody around here loves the Yankees, and our brother station, of course, broadcasts the but, games. But then you'd be burying the lead. But I'm like, yeah, let's just go with the Yankees. So in case you missed it, it went like this. Another one-two pitch. The Yankees have swept the Twins. And they're the first team moving on to the championship series in 2019. Heal up a few nicks and bruises, maybe get the pitching right. They have the best bullpen, clearly a great offense. Uh, Get a couple extra days rest. I don't know about you, though, Scoop. I prefer this version of listening to the Yankees win when they close out a series. Maybe it's just me. I could do without Susan, but John, John's always on point, Scoop. It'll be a 1-2 to Cruz, and Chapman's pitches. Steve right three. Ball game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The win. Well, that's the classic tagline right there. It sure is. I have concerns, though. I do. I, I definitely it was a little bit nervous with going to Chapman for the five outs. Uh, he seemed to lose the strike zone. He was well rested. I think he threw four or five innings over the last month of the season. You want your guy sharp. Luckily, they're in a position or they got him a little bit of work yesterday. Hopefully that worked out any kinks from not really pitching a lot for the last 30 games of the season. I don't know how I feel about not letting starters go beyond five innings. I want to see a guy go six. Maybe a guy gets you into the seventh. But then you can't argue with the results. Overall, Paxton was solid. Tanaka is unbelievable in the postseason. Didi Gregorius, if I jump off a of pitching for a second, by the way, everybody's going, oh, no, don't resign this guy. He's clutch. He's coming through right now. He's clutch right now. He knows that, you know, the regular season left a little something to be desired. But rounding out the starting pitching, Severino, he made me a little bit nervous, too. He he did not. He got himself into some trouble. Let's put it that way. I mean, that's exactly what happened with him. I mean, he had the bases loaded situation with no outs in the second. Granted, he got out of it, and the Twins weren't able to do much really until that late home run. I think it was off Zach Britton, if I remember but but I think uh, this is this is a good time to get a few extra days for the Yankees, and you have to assume. I mean, the Rays came back, but they're playing Houston probably. With all those injuries throughout the course of the season for the Yankees, any extra day off is a good thing. Yeah. What about Giancarlo? What about Giancarlo Stanton? Everybody's all over him because Cameron Maben ends up. He's been a defensive replacement, and then he also turns around and hits that home run. I mean. There's times I go, man, I feel a little better with him in the outfield, but Giancarlo Stanton has such an ability to do damage. You can't keep him off the roster. You can't not play the guy. That makes no sense. Overall, defensively, the Yankees are a good team, and I suppose he might be the weakest link, but Gardner in center field right now, I mean, he covers for him. Well, they're firing on all cylinders. Things are going well, and even when they have 8 million guys that are injured... They still win. It's the story of the season for those guys. And it's just everybody has stepped up. You know, next man up, the the Dino Babers thing you may have heard yesterday. That, that's really what, uh, you it's, know, that's really what it's all about, and that's what everybody's that, done. That's what the Yankees are doing. Scoop, the opponent that they're probably going to face, as stated, is the Houston Astros if they get by the Rays. The Rays kept themselves alive. 
but all you've heard about with Houston is the big three of starting pitchers, Garrett Cole, Verlander, and Zach Greinke. But Zach Greinke got lit up. I mean, he was responsible. Well, let's just basically share this with you. It explains it. A high drive to deep right center field. Back goes Reddick. Back near the wall. It is out of here. He jolts one to right. It sends Reddick back and turns him into a spectator. Laos sends one deep to left center field. And yet again, it's a raise home run. Here's a high drive to deep left field off the bat of Adamas, and he goes yard. It's, like, lo- it's home run derby. It's the lowest payroll of Major League Baseball, and they kept themselves in it. it, it those, those, they're scrappy teams like that. They, they've got pride. They're a well-run, well-run organization. They're smart. The Rays are smart in the way that they craft a team and the way they attack a game or another team, or in this case, Houston, within a series. Very strategic, very analytic, even with that low payroll. They've had an amazing ability to be, uh, ever since Joel Madden and on, even though he's now gone from the Cubs, but it's continued with Kevin Cash. It's it's just, they're always a formidable opponent. They're a scrappy, annoying team that doesn't go away. And it's interesting, you know, the attendance problems they seem to have. Uh, Verlander apparently may be going on short rest, which I think is a fascinating storyline. Uh, I, I love his wife. I do, too. I think everybody does. I mean, let's get some more camera time for her, please. Let's let's not get distracted from what's really important here is him on extra rest at an elevated age in baseball. Because I was about to say something. I I thought, uh, okay, I thought you were going in another direction there. The important thing is Kate. I was about to say something about Kate that I can't say on the air because I want to stay on point. But he's elevated in age for baseball. Lucky guy. And it just, it makes you wonder. It you get him tired out a little bit. It may be a little bit too much. Maybe the extra innings in the postseason high pressure is to the Yankees' advantage, having assumed, of course, that they will eventually dispose of the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll see. They got to win these games. You know, I wouldn't have predicted them being down. And look, they, they've got to do it. I think they were kind of the odds-on prohibitive favorite all throughout this season. Whenever you talk about how well the Yankees were doing... You know, somebody would inevitably mention, well, Houston, you know, and I I think justifiably so, you know. On the National League side of things, series tied up Atlanta-St. Louis 2-2, so that's going down to basically a Game 5 or in DS series. It's a Game 7. Washington and L.A., Scherzer came through. They tied that up. That's going to, in essence, a Game 7-2. So that's what's up with... The, I guess the road to the World Series 2019 edition. St. Louis Atlanta had the fun end, the 10 innings, you know, the the big play at the end there, the the hit and the bat toss. You know, and I wonder, you, know, you always wonder if like some of that emphatic uh, hot doggery doesn't come back to haunt you. You know, case in point, Baker Mayfield planting the flag with Oklahoma in the middle of the Ohio State Stadium. So Joey Bosa let him have it last night, planted a flag of his own. Sometimes the payback gets you. Oh, well, don't get ahead of ourselves. We've got some thoughts on Baker Mayfield and the Browns based on last night's Monday Night Football game, but we're up against our first break. Let me just leave everybody with the excitement of the Cardinals that you're talking about. Tehran deals. Molina in the air. Left field. Duvall's got a great arm, but that is deep. Wong ready to run. He tags. Here he comes. Duvall's throw. No chance. And the Cardinals. Have won game four! 
Yanni. We're going to a game five, partner. This is something Beautiful. special. Scoop, I think St. Louis is still enjoying their Stanley Cup, so let's switch it over to hockey and actually bring it right here to Syracuse with Jim Sorosi, the COO of the Syracuse Crunch. They beat Rochester Friday. They're off to two, off for two games against Cleveland. Yeah, uh, they, I thought. See, I thought they lost to Rochester Friday night. Uh, they lo- I'm sorry, they lost to Rochester. My, I misspoke. I apologize. Yes, they lost three to two to Rochester. Did I say win? I thought you did. Well, we, we've got it together. But so- I've listened to a lot of heavy metal. So when we have uh, Chip Sorosi of the Crunch on in just about those three or- Slayer albums are loud, man. Well, we're going to ask Jim Sorosi. Rain and blood, dude. We're going to ask Chip Sorosi of the Crunch all about that. And we'll do that next on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Sportzilla Show. ESPN Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. The Sportzilla Show with Rainzilla, the microphone thriller, now the Sportzilla and me, Scoop. And we have a guest on the line, the Burdick Toyota guest line, Jim Sorosi, COO of your Syracuse Crunch. Welcome to the show, good sir. Gentlemen, how are you, good sirs? I love it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we moved it over. You used to, the Sportzilla Show originated uh, over on, I guess, the Arch Enemies side, but now it's That's straight right. crunch. <laughs> We're in your backyard now, Jim, so we've talked a lot, and we're, we're excited. Answering the question, is it October? Oh, I was going to say, welcome to the winning side, and I can say that now after our big hot dog eating contest on Sunday. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if, you, if you saw that, but what a way to kick off the, the season. It was a very germane way with uh, Lucas defeating <laughs> Mr. Roberts by a, a final count of 15 hot dogs to 14. We were actually going to bring that up before we even talked about any hockey with you, to be in, honest. In oh, OT. Sorry for jumping in there. In overtime, nonetheless. I had to go to yeah, extra time. You know what? There was a little a little asterisk there. I, you know what? I might even just call it out right now on your show. It was CR guys came. They they brought the tenacity. They were all over, over it. And I saw a little bit of a lead there, and then all of a sudden I saw some hot dogs disappearing into Joe's uh, costume. And there I said it. Oh, a little skullduggery. I'm not pulling it back, but we went with the tie, and they prevailed in overtime. But it was quite an event. Turning Stone, great partners, as always. And what a, what a unique way. I was laughing with Rob Ash about it, and kind of in the background when we were cheering our teams on there. And, and now it's all for real, right? Now it's all on the ice. Jim, as they say in NASCAR, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's exactly I have heard that so. many times, yes. <laughs> I, I, thought it was, yes. I thought it was funny that Lucas Favalli and Mark showed up in almost like a gym attire. And, and then <laughs> on the flip side of that. His yeah, exactly. They were in their hot dog costumes. And, um, <laughs> you could tell the focus. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Joe... He was such a great sport. You know, he would eat a hot dog, and he was talking to his staff and his teammates there and everything. And our guys, I don't think their their focus ever left the hot dogs in front of them. They were all in hardcore on it. One of the things about Lucas Favalli, too, though, is he is able to eat meatballs. So he's actually a very good eater. He won a meatball eating contest, too, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, two-time champion. And that's really, that was the genesis of all of this, was after he won his second meatball contest. That's when, when uh, Joe Roberts called him out on Twitter and we accepted and outside of them cheating, I thought it was a great event. (laughs) That's the best part about the American hockey league is the promotions and the marketing aspect of it. And now it's, 
obviously all over in social media too. And it adds so much life to more than just those two and a half hours, 78 times a year that you watch a hockey game. And, and it makes you invest emotionally with the broadcasters and the players and the staffs of the different teams and how often the teams, both of them or all AHL teams get out into the community. It's a little bit different than the NHL. Not that they don't, you know, get out in the community, but it's it's just a little bit more personal because they're in smaller markets, generally, Scoop. And the promotions are awesome. You do things like this hot dog eating contest. Jim, you, you start the season two and a half weeks on the road, uh, a couple of games with Cleveland Friday and Saturday night, but only three home games this month. More road games than home games. That yeah, feels a little odd to me. You know, and you're right. You you nailed it with that. I, I believe we had six home games last year in October, and with with us, a lot of it just comes down to building availability. The the on center complex here, they got the opportunity to book in Cirque du Soleil, which takes up about a week to ten days, depending on staffing in terms of building up the ice for them and painting it and and doing everything they need to do to have that show. So that's a great opportunity for them to bring that to town. And as a result, we lose a weekend, and that's why we're you know why we're in Cleveland here. But everybody has two different schools of thoughts on it. Some coaches love going on the road first; they feel it'll bring the team together. A lot of coaches like to have an overnight early in the year um, because it does accelerate that process. Because as we've talked in the past, you got our we're so unique because it's really you know all that movement over the summer. There's a lot of turnover in the American League. We have two new coaches this year, and then you're all put in a room at the end of September and say, "Okay, go win a call the cup." And, you know, you have to, as I always find in the beginning, it doesn't hurt to manufacture events to try and help develop and accelerate that chemistry between people. Some of it will happen organically, but otherwise, sometimes you have to kind of give it a little bit of a nudge to help. So that's one positive. The negative is, you know, we're playing four games on the road to start. You know, everybody's excited when, you know, will there be a little less of a opener in week three where every I think every other team in our league has had their opener or pretty close to it by then um, with it. But, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to it year from year to year with everything. There is that school of thought that when the team, and you alluded to it, when the team is on the road, they might be more focused on the job at hand. I know when I lived in Detroit, they would very often say this about the Red Wings. You know, when the team is at home, you've got friends and family asking for tickets, just more distractions, life You've got to do something with the wife or watch the kids when you're on the road. It's a business trip, and it might be easier to focus on the job at hand, which is winning a hockey game. No, that was very well said, and you're right. There, it, home does bring a whole different list of items, I guess. But there's also the benefit, even just to play devil's advocate here on, on the flip side, is you're in your own bed. You have that routine. And there's positives to that as well, too. I mean, there's, like I said, there's, you can say it, I think, firmly believe both ways. And, you know, at the end of the day, you really put your head down and you just have to, you know, kind of attack each weekend as it comes with you with it. So for us, you know, we, we still have 11 or 12 days left until our opener. Our job is just trying to maximize everything we can to fill this building and get it ready for everybody. And, and you know, we have that extra time here. And now we just have to take advantage of it. Jim Sorosi of Syracuse Crunch, CEO, of course, the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I want to talk about a couple of uh, issues with the roster. Not issues, but I want to point out a couple of players. You've got a three-headed monster in goal right now, unless there's been a transaction that I've missed. Mike Condon, Scott Wedgwood, and Louis Domingue. Uh, that's a great problem to have. 
Let me have you especially. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and I think both fan bases experienced it. I know Utica last year when they were, you know, I know when they brought in Michael Leighton, I don't think that was ever in the plans there with a couple injuries and call-ups and a player lost on waivers. And then with us right at the end, they went, Tampa Bay went into July 1, the first day of free agents, with only two goalies under contract, and normally they'll carry five or six with everything. So there's a lot of uncertainty, and then boom, in one day, we we went from that all the way up to seven, eight goalies, which was quite quite interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good problem to have. By the way, you brought up Michael Layton. He did retire after 18 seasons. He was on a Utica Comet for a brief time last year. He's been a member of the Syracuse Crunch and numerous other teams. Consummate pro, great guy, and of course, we wish him well. But I wanted to point out a, a couple of other guys on the roster. Corey Conacher is another one. It was nice to see in the game against Rochester. He did what he does. That one-timer from, from the circle is sniping a shot and getting a goal. He's a great veteran presence to have on this team. And the other one I want you to comment on is Luke Shen, who did have a quick cup of coffee with the Comets and then got called up to Vancouver last year. Signed by Tampa Bay, now on the Syracuse roster, on the Crunch roster. A big, strong, deliberate defenseman, a veteran presence, very physical. And when he takes the body and delivers a check, the other team knows it. Those are a couple of great players to have on this roster, in my opinion. It's it's hard not to get excited about that. I mean, Corey, all along this Western and Central New York, he's such a popular player, having played for, albeit short, the Comets in Rochester and then his college at Canisius and being from the Hamilton area. He, you know, he's really become you know, the face of our team over the last couple of years. So it was very fitting that he got that first goal for the team this year, and, and obviously we're thrilled to have him back. And and Luke, we're all I'm very anxious to to meet. He came in last night, so today was his first practice with us, and it'll be very interesting. We've heard nothing but great things about him, and you know both on and off the ice. So those are the type of players it's very hard not to get excited about when you're at this level. Those the players that bring a little bit of consistency and name recognition as the younger guys get the time to to you know to do what they need to do to get up to that level. Jim, the pure hockey fan in you, when you see Luke Shen drive somebody into the boards, it, you'll, you'll see exactly the pure joy of that. You go, oh, that had to hurt. Jamal no, Smith said that. I was so jealous when, when he was with Utica last year. It's kind of funny how it works out that here we are a year later and he'll be suiting up on this side of the rivalry for uh, you know for the foreseeable future. So it's something that it's, it's hard, to your point, not to get excited about when you have a guy with that track record. And he's still a very young man. He's 29 years old, and all that yeah. experience that he's had, he's had you know, it's such an early start to his pro career. And you know, from my point of view, from the front office point of view, I'm just thrilled with everything I'm hearing about his off-ice, um, you know, the way he conducts himself and the way he integrates himself into the team and, and the initiatives that we have. Yeah, you're going to love him. Uh, Jamel Smith sent down his reinforcements from Tampa, but I got about 30 seconds left. We're up against our last okay. break. Jim Sorosi of the Crunch is with us. Opening night against the Charlotte Checkers on the 19th. What do you want to tell the fans? Well, I'm sorry, you cut off there real quick. I, I said uh, just referencing opening night, the 19th against the Checkers. What did you want to tell the fans? I got about 30 yeah, seconds come on for you. Down. We're very blessed. Thank you for the opportunity, as always. We're very blessed to have another banner being raised this year, North Division champions. 
and it kick off the year number 26. You, it's, we do put a lot of stress on that opener. It's a great way to send the message not only to the home players, but to the community that, hey, we're back. Hey, we know what we can do. We've done it year after year after year, and this is kind of our, you know, this is what signifies and signals our start to what we hope will be a very long year playing into June. Once again, thanks to Jim Sorosi, CEO of the Syracuse Crunch. We're going to come back. It's time to go to college athletics. Huge basketball media day with the Heim today and NC State Syracuse as far as football on Thursday. Our thoughts on that next on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Sportzilla Show. Well, Scoop, we've got some Syracuse sports to talk about now. We've got to touch on some football real quick. The pregame. Yes, Thursday, the Romano Subaru pregame show with Seth Goldberg and Brent Axe getting you ready for the Orange versus the Wolfpack. They're going to share with you all the experts who weighed in on ESPN Syracuse Radio during the week, including Eric Dungy and head coach Dino Babers. We're actually going to hear a little something about Eric Dungy in just a second, and we're actually going to hear from coach Dino Babers in just a second, but I don't want to talk Cuse football. I want to talk Cuse basketball, if I could, really quick. Because on the 26th, they play Damon in an exhibition game. Also happens to be the same day that there is a Hollow Hops Brewfest from World of Beer. So I have a good feeling there'll be some big screens while people enjoy two sessions of some craft beer sampling. I know you're yeah. all about this. In the canyon at Destiny USA, oh, geez, more than 50 breweries, over 100 craft beers to sample. It's a brew fest with a Halloween twist. So come dressed up for the costume contest. They're going to have live actors from Frightmare Farms and Museum of Intrigue, Halloween movies, general admission and VIP tickets available now for both Brewfest sessions at hollowhops.com, or you can buy them in person at the Branching Out Bottle Shop in Camillus. You can also buy them at World of Beer itself. There's two other locations where you can physically get tickets. I don't have those written the down. The Hop Spot at Armory, Armory Square, I remember. And there is one other. And but there's another one that's escaping. But that is listed if you go to the website. Okay, it was ACC Media Day. And one of the things that stood out to me when Heim was on the podium on the ACC Network and being interviewed, at least one of many things, was the paying of players. And I've, I've seen a little bit of this on social media. I know Axe, who's following us up, Brent Axe at 4 o'clock, uh, had some comments on this. I'm sure he'll expand on his thoughts. And I, I just thought it was an interesting take by Bayheim saying, you know, let's say I've got a player on my roster who's getting $25,000 a year for doing commercials, for doing endorsements. How are the rest of the guys on my roster going to feel about that? Scoop, I think you could answer that for us. Well, they're not going to like it. They're going to feel left out. But that's one of the things that's going to have to be worked out here with regards to this. Gosh, come on. The NCAA making a little bit of money on March Madness, making a little bit of money on college football. Look, we're going that way. I think the, the conversation will continue and ideas will be brought forth to make it more equitable. Spread that money around with the other guys on the team, with other programs at the university. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of pie to share, I think. Well, what about you? You could expand this, this conversation nationally, but just focus on the ACC and say Syracuse and, oh, I don't know, let's throw a program like Duke. You get a degree, a four-year degree in theory given to you, paid for at private institutions like this, 
to very, I mean, if you've got a Duke degree or a Syracuse degree, you're good anywhere in the world you want to get a job. What about the counter- Are you really? Are you really? There's a lot of people out there who would argue that. Let me finish. That's that's what I'm saying. There are people that are suggesting, and the flip side of this argument is you don't pay the players because they're getting that education for free. I don't know. With the way that things have changed in the modern age, I could see a little something reasonable. But they do, in a sense, get paid. I mean, I've heard Beheim talk about that before. They do get a little bit of money for certain things all within the boundaries and the legalities of the NCAA. We're not breaking that all down. But that's a known fact. That's out there. So they're already getting some benefits. How far do you push that, though? Because if you look down the line, five years, ten years, are, are you going to have guys like Zion Williamson making a half a million dollars a year and, and somebody else? Well, maybe uh, Zion is like LeBron and just doesn't go to college. I mean, what possible reason did LeBron have to go play at the Ohio State University? He talks about his family had nothing. You know, there's guys that are going to skip college altogether. And there's a lot of money there. The money now is more than it ever has been. We just need to make it more fair. It's not fair. These the universities are making a fortune on the likenesses of these players. Some of that's got to trickle down to the players, I think. And, you know, just having a conversation about it, we just shouldn't shut it down. It Look, the money is more than it ever has been. Scoop and Rain Sportzilla show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1 with the never-ending debate on all of these subjects, really. It's not like we won't be talking about these tomorrow and in the upcoming days and weeks I, I and remember seasons. this debate from 25 years yeah. ago. This is nothing new, and the money is even more now. And is the NCAA really got the student-athletes' best interests at heart? I don't think so. Well, this, they're this, making a lot of money, and a lot of fat cats are sharing the wealth. And I'd like to see a little something more go to the players. The simple fact is there has never been more money in college athletics than there is right now. And I know I'm stating the obvious. All right, we can debate this till we're blue in the face or orange in the face or pick a color. But let's stay with the color orange. Let's flip the football while we're on the subject of Syracuse sports. And, of course, the NC State game on Thursday after the bye week. I did promise a little bit of audio in case you haven't heard it somewhere else out there. Coach Babers discussing what the team does on a bye week. Sometimes you wonder those types of things. There's some obvious things, you know, recovering from some injuries, just regrouping, resetting. Allowing Tommy DeVito some time to heal. Yeah, there was some concern about him. But here's what Coach Babers said. You know, I think the biggest thing you do during the bye week is you get an op- opportunity to look at yourself. You get to self-scout yourself. It gives you time to uh, catch your breath and see what your opponents are looking. And you get to really, uh, Michael Jackson, man in the mirror, look at yourself and say, okay, <laughs> you think you're really good at something, but then you start looking at it and you go like, we're really not that good at it. Or you think that uh, we're not very good at this and you, we really are very efficient at something. So I think the self-check is the biggest thing that happens during that during a bye week. And once again, based off of where our buys are, I think they come in good times for us. I think that's an awesome statement. He's admitting every now and then with the tunnel vision of getting ready for the next game, maybe you lose the bigger picture and some of the trends that are emerging. Maybe you have a false idea that you're better at something than you are, or maybe there's something you're doing better than you realize. And you can take advantage of that. Take a look at that stuff on film. 
Look at the trends. So it's great to have that time to do that because you don't have that game coming right up. You got to prepare. And that's exactly right. You know, there are, and they've been discussed ad nauseum all over the place with people saying, well, there might be this deficiency with Syracuse, whether it's the offensive line or it's the linebackers or it's the secondary or the simple fact that Tommy DeVito is not Eric Dungy quite yet. He's still learning. He's still growing. But you practice. That's why you do it every day. That's why you watch film. That's why you get the bye week to your point. That's why you reset. That's why some teams get better over the course of the season. And then again, on the flip side of that, some teams obviously get worse. But when you have good leadership, which I believe that we do, uh, Dino Babers has the pulse of this team. I don't think he needs to do anything to prove that. I think that's already blatantly obvious to the fan base. Unless you're, you're watching a different coach in a different program, I'm sure he will do the things necessary for this team to make, to take the next step. You can't win three games away. You can't win the last game of the season. You have to just focus on Thursday night and NC State. And uh, in deference to that, by the way, We've got some nice tidbits out there from our friend Mike McAllister, who joined us last week on NC State. What's one of the keys that we're looking at with NC State that jumped out at you as we were we were looking through this a little bit earlier? Well, NC State is going to be without starting right tackle Justin Witt. So there's going to be, in turn, some shuffling of the offensive line. So you focus on that. You game plan for that, for NC State. What else? Also... They kind of you may see a couple of quarterbacks, and they have backfield by committee. Uh, not only are they missing that starting offensive tackle, but they're without starting running back uh, Ricky Person Jr. So they got two freshmen that you're going to see in the backfield against Syracuse. You know, those are the sort of matchups you wonder. Okay, uh, the big game on TV. Do the guys rise to the occasion, or does a freshman make a freshman mistake? It's it, it's a, it's a problem that all programs have, I, I think, is the point. It's not just Syracuse. We overanalyze Syracuse, but who's to say somebody isn't a little inexperienced? There's not an injury. Uh, there's not somebody that crumbles under the pressure. You don't know how the other team is going to react, how they're prepared. Maybe a bad coaching decision on, on their side of it. You just don't know until you play these games, of course, but that's what we're here to do, to, to beat the drum and to get everybody fired up worry about these things a couple of three and two teams nc state has beaten some opposition at home where they've been very good some opposition at home that isn't quite the level of some of the best teams around uh but then they've gone on the road and they haven't done so well so some of the trends are going to change here uh they're playing syracuse which is a tougher opponent than some of the teams they've had at home it's a very interesting matchup very important for both teams i think and i'll leave you with this I think that the last two games for Tommy DeVito where he really got to pile up some numbers was a confidence builder. And I think assuming that he has, he's gotten right health health wise, I think perhaps you see him take the next step at where he needs to go. He's, he's got to progress and get a little better every day in practice. And then every game throughout the course of the season. Obvious to everybody. The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We're going to come back and actually talk some NFL, and that's next. This is the Sportzilla Show. Rain and Scoop, the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Syracuse Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Check out the Burdick Toyota postgame show. Seth Everett and James Mungro taking your calls about the SU NC State game immediately following the Giants game. 
Thursday night, ESPN Syracuse. Okay, let's just talk about that because I I think I think the Pats, based on their offense, and our producer Matt is a huge Patriots fan, and he has said this, so I'm not just being a hater of the Patriots, even though I am a hater of the Patriots because I'm a Giants fan. Their offense hasn't looked great the past couple of weeks. I'm not saying Tom Brady is getting old or showing his age. He's still Tom Brady. You have to see it for a consecutive number of weeks, I think, before you can slap that label on him. But they haven't looked great. And I'm not saying the Giants are going to win this because... See, now, you may have been poisoned by producer Matt's... uh, Has he set me up? preoccupation with uh, down-talking the Patriots out of hopes for the best and superstition and good luck. Look, there are a couple of teams that they easily handled, and they were playing the Bills last time, who I think have one of the best defenses in the league. I agree. I said that to him. I said, well, the Bills do have a good defense. The Giants, and and I did counter with, well, let's see, Connolly's out, the really good rookie linebacker. Ogletree, questionable. Sterling Shepard's out. Evan Ingram's out, so the Giants have some issues. Now, overall, the defensive line played a little better. The secondary is young and getting a little bit better. When you don't have Saquon and you don't have Wayne Gallman and you're on to your third-string running back, that's a completely different dynamic. Daniel Jones was going to suffer a little bit and regress a little bit. I mean, it wasn't going to be the magical thing that happened in Week 1 and then, of course, played very well in, or in well, his second start. Well, according to some in the media, it was... Some thought, oh my gosh, Danny Dimes is here! These prisoners of the moment! It's not going to go away, and there's nothing I can do about the Danny Dimes nickname. I think it's terrible. Uh, By the way, Gronk, um, misleading all over social media a couple of hours ago, and news reports, sports news reports, was that he's going back to the NFL, and I'm like, oh crap, They're great. They're going to activate the guy just in time to score seven touchdowns and 250 yards at at halftime, I think is, is what I had said earlier. But he's just going to be going in and being a color analyst with Fox. So if you're watching a game on that network. You think he can do well at that? I don't expect him to be as good as Tony Romo. No, absolutely not. There's no way he's going to be as good as Tony Romo. Don't temper expectations to your Yeah, he's going to say things like, wow, he hit him pretty hard, didn't he? Uh, but is Johnny Manziel, I'm sorry, is Baker Mayfield the second coming of Johnny Manziel? Is it Baker... Manziel, is it Johnny Mayfield? All right, the meme is out there. What happened? What happened? What happened is the 49ers defense happened, and the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns is not very good. There are problems on that offensive line. Baker's been sacked. He was sacked four times yesterday. I think he's already been sacked 16 times this year after being sacked only 25 times all of last year. They're not protecting him. You don't complete passes when you're on your back. And when you've got Joey Bosa, who's got a score to settle because you planted the flag in the middle of the horseshoe when uh, you were with Oklahoma, you're going to look at that game on the schedule and you're going to go, payback. Payback, dude. It's coming. And Joey Bosa is a beast. I'm going to own the fact that I expected Cleveland to be a lot better. There are some issues now, though, because it's gone off the rails with Odell. There's an issue with... And this, too, it's gone off the rails. He's still caught two passes the last two games. Everybody, the New York media, you you lose a game to the Vikings. He gets spanked by the Vikings. So let me do the shell game. Look over here. Oh, Odell. Look what stupid Odell 
did this week. That's what it is. Oh, Odell, the, the girlfriend who left you that you are still butthurt about. And you so you write the article about that, New York Post. You write about him getting check, choked out in a game. Richard Sherman's mad at Baker Mayfield because he didn't shake his hand. That also happened. But San Francisco is a good team. The video questions that. I don't know. I mean, come on. All right. We've got to make way for Brent Axe. On the block is up next. I'm just going to say this, okay? I think that the problem might be with Freddie Kitchens, your coach. Uh, we can debate that again tomorrow. The Sports Zilla Show will be back. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.